Welcome to Mission Minded, the podcast where we explore outside-the-box thinking in carrying out Christ's Great Commission. On this week's episode of the Mission Minded podcast, we are joined by iTech's Director of Equip, Chris Wilkins. Chris shares with us the story of how God took his family to South Africa for six years and how he brought them to Florida to join the iTech team. Chris also impacts what equipping looks like for our local churches and for us. Now here's your host, Kristen. Well, welcome to the Mission Minded Podcast, Chris. So good to have you. Man, it is good to be here. Good. This is your first time on the Mission Minded Podcast, I understand. Watched a lot of them, never been on it, so excited to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you on this side of things and good to have you here at iTech. Um, I think of all the people who have joined the team here, you and your family have made the biggest move. Um, can you tell us about where you came from? Yeah, so we, we, uh, we came from South Africa. Um, we served uh, there for six years down in the Western Cape, a uh, beautiful city, Nizna, South Africa. And um, really loved our time there, but as God began to close the door there, we were obviously searching for new opportunities um, this side, and um, the Lord opened the door here, and we've been here now for about six months, and super, super happy to be here. So it's been a good six months. Um, can you um, tell everyone listening uh, just share a little bit about your story, how your family got from Georgia, Georgia mm. is it from Georgia to South Africa? How did how did God work that out for your family? This how long is this podcast? Well, this is long as it's going to need to be to hear your story, so I reckon. buckle up, uh, because <laughs> we're going to be here a while, I think. Um, yeah, so it was, uh, I was a teacher uh, and a coach in the state of Georgia, two years in private school, um, and then 10 years in public school. Uh, absolutely uh, loved what I was doing uh, in the public schools, um, but it just got to a point where my wife was was really a, a single mom. Uh, the coaching overlapped. I coached football and baseball uh, on top of my teaching duties. And so uh, it was it was really only Christmas time that I was home and able to be a dad, mm-hmm. able to be a husband. Um, so we, we joked a lot that, uh, that I had really good relationships with my players, uh, but had no relationship with my family. Uh, in fact, my relationship with my wife and kids was kind of through a chain link fence. Mm. And so uh, that grew really difficult through the years and uh, got to a point where I felt like the Lord had given me a way out. That story is a very, very long story, but but the Lord granted me the opportunity to get out uh, of that uh, particular um, world of work and, and ministry as well. Um, and then led me, uh, opened the door for a short-term mission trip in, in South Africa with our local church, uh, Warren Baptist Church out of Augusta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I went on the first trip and just fell in love with the world. Um, you know, really, when you're teaching and you're coaching, your world is very, very small, um, uh, very fertile ministry ground, but very small. Sure. Um, and when I flew to South Africa and got to serve um, the USA people there in South Africa, I was 
really pretty overwhelmed by the culture and the you know just kind of everything that you experience all of the typical emotions of a short-term uh, mission trip and and then a year later was invited to go back to the same area work with the same people and as we arrived there in year two uh, my wife Rebecca was on that trip uh, with me and um you know, as we were on that trip, when we first got there, I fully expected to work with the with the guys that I had worked with the year before, and I didn't didn't see them, and so started to ask questions about where they were, and and um, you know, really, long story made short, I approached the leadership of that short term mission trip and said, you know, where where are the people that we were working with last year? I've, I've thought that we would for sure be working with those guys again this year and they're not here and and so it led to a, a greater discussion of maybe we need to send someone over here to kind of manage the work that our church was doing there and so that leadership asked me to write a job description and kind of see maybe if we could find someone to fill that void well as I was writing that job description um, I felt like it was something that that maybe the Lord was calling me to do. But at that point, well, I've got a wife and three kids. <laughs> how, how do you convince right. your wife that that God is telling you to, to sell everything you own and to move, you know, 8,000 miles to the other side of the world? And so I had a conversation with my wife that night. Um, anybody who's been on mission trips, um, short-term mission trips, understands how busy they are. You are just going from the word go. Right. And so we were so busy that we hadn't had a whole lot of time for discussion throughout the trip. And this was probably day six or seven of an eight-day trip. And I just, you know, I did what every man who's terribly afraid of their wife does <laughs> and uh, shot some warning shots above the bow. Okay. So I certainly wasn't going to say, hey, God's telling me to sell everything and we need to move over here. So I just, you know, made really generic comments like, man, this is a beautiful place, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And she says, yeah. Man, be, you know, what a love to bring the kids back here sometime and let them see it. She's like, yeah. <laughs> Man, what what a this would be a cool place to like raise a family, wouldn't it? And she she finally she looks at me, she's kind of catching on at this point, and she says, "What are you telling me?" And I said, "You know, what if what if I told you that I feel like maybe the Lord is telling us to sell everything we own and to move over here?" And her response was mind blowing uh, for me, um, really kind of a moment of a faith builder. Um, we have markers like that throughout our lives, but this was certainly one where she just said, you know, the only reason I want to go back to America is to get our kids and come back. Wow. And so the Lord had been communicating to me and communicating to her separately, um, but really was, was building a bridge for us to come together in our, in our you know, spiritual logic mm -hmm. to say, this is not a crazy thought. Um, this is actually from the Lord. But we took a month. Uh, at that point to pray that was January of 2016 okay. and said Lord what are you telling us to do and and if this is in fact what you're telling us to do um, we just pray that you would make it exceedingly abundantly clear um, that it would be so clear uh, 
that um, that we would be fools to not walk in in a simple step of obedience. Um, so we we prayed, and it, the, this podcast wouldn't be long enough to to share all of the things that the Lord communicated, but. So many people think that it was just this massive leap of faith for us to go. But truthfully, the calling was so clear. And the, I often refer to them as footprints in the sand because it, it's not, we can't visibly see God and we can't audibly hear him. But I, I'm telling you that the calling was so clear that there was no question it was of him. Um, Probably the most clear was that my business sold and it wasn't even for sale. Oh, wow. I had not communicated that it was for sale. I had not approached anyone. Um, I had um, a young man approach me who I had coached in high school baseball. He approached me about purchasing my business. And so all of that to say it was just a, a clear call and and became a very very simple step of obedience and so um in february of 2016 we began the process and lo and behold our support was raised this is another communication from the lord but many people spend years raising support right um and we we had our full support raised in six weeks um, and so we, we moved in October of 2016. We were on the ground just less than 10 months after saying, Lord, if this is of you, make it clear. And he did. I know when God, um, when he calls us to something and he reveals his will to us, obedience is imperative. Mm. And to, to hear how... He worked everything out before you, even when it probably didn't logically make sense to your family, all your families in Georgia, right? And all of Rebecca's family as well. Um, it's, it's encouraging. And tell um, tell us a little bit about what you and Rebecca and your family were doing in South Africa, about what your ministry looked like. Well, first of all, when he called us to go, we had absolutely no clue what we were gonna do. Um, you know, we, di we didn't know we knew what the typical Western church went to do on short-term missions, but what does long-term missions look like? Mm -hmm. um, now, I'm a very type A, very mechanical person. So my first methodology when I got there was to set a schedule. Um, these are the things that I think we want to accomplish, and this is the time frame that we want to accomplish it. Um, and this is exactly mechanically, methodically how we're going to accomplish these works. <laughs> um, that was probably bad methodology <laughs> because we had been there for about um, six months and I had shared the gospel probably a thousand times. Um, I love to evangelize. I love to tell God's story in my life. Uh, maybe you've gathered that yes. since I've been here. I just really enjoy because the story is a story only God can write, and I love to love to share it. And so I had done that probably a thousand times and had one response, and it was a very um, tempered response, okay. uh, to say the least. And so, you know, after six months, I'm looking around and saying, Lord, what in the world are you doing? I have no clue what's happening here 
Um, and then uh, at that point, met a young man on the street um, very accidentally, um, a guy named Helder, whose street name is Dice. And as he uh, heard my story and, and began to hear how God could change his life, he responded by saying, that, that's what I, I want that. Um, now, again, been there for six months, and the Lord really hadn't, you know, I hadn't had this massive convert experience, which is what I thought would happen. Sure. Um, and so uh, when Dice came to faith, I just wasn't really all that sure what that would look like. Um, you know, is this real or is this, you know, another tempered response? And so um, the next morning he calls me at 630 and he says, hey, are you going to be at this work site? And I said, yeah, I'm going to be there. And he said, okay, good, because last night I was I was sharing the gospel. I was telling these other people what the things you had told me, and they were asking me questions that I, I didn't know how to answer, and so I need your help. And so within 12 hours, this guy's already sharing the gospel. Um, and within days, he is grabbing me by the arm saying, we need to go door to door, and we need to tell this story. And so that began a really, really good relationship with a man who is still one of my very best friends on earth right now. Um, and so as Dice came to faith, um, it led us to the most dangerous and the darkest area in our city. Now keep in mind, South Africa has the highest crime rate in the world. And so it's a not a very safe place, um, especially when your skin color is like mine. Sure. And so... Uh, we were the only white people um, really ministering day to day uh, in this area, and um, we didn't speak the language. We we didn't look like them, sound like them, um, and so it was uh, quite a difficult journey early on. Um, but just began to to say, Lord, if this is where you want us, this is where we'll be. And so. Um, I know this sounds very long. Trust me, it's much, much longer. <laughs> um, but this led to our church plant. Um, so Dice led us into an area. He was the foot in the door. He speaks five languages. Um, he was instrumental in helping me learn the local language um, so that I could communicate in a way that was um, uh, advantageous, not just to communicate clearly, but also to communicate that although my skin color is different than yours, um, I'm interested in your heart language. I'm interested in, in, in you. And so, um, so Dice led to that church plant, um, Kaimundi Baptist Church, or Happy Home Baptist Church. And, um, and, and then we very early on had gotten involved in a skills center as well. So we were very interested in um, not necessarily doing for them, um, but getting involved in a way that we could teach them some skills that could enable them to gain employment uh, in a country where unemployment rate was, when we arrived, about 40%, wow. um, and when we left, about 60%. Um, and that, in large part, due to a lack of academics, um, a lack of skills. And so, um, so we were heavily involved in a skill center known as Hands and Heart. Um, we did not start that skills center. It was already started when we arrived, but it was um, fledgling to say the least. It was um, getting ready to 
um, they were experiencing some, some real financial pressure um, and some real leadership pressure as well. And so um, with my academic background, was able to kind of step in and help guide them, um, gain access to some resources, some financial resources that could, could help keep the school alive. And then um, also just some direction, some direction to, to kind of simplify the process of what we're teaching um, but teaching in a way that the students could learn it um, from a, you know, if you're dealing with sixth, seventh, and eighth grade dropouts, you know, their their level upon entry is very, very low. And so, um, so hands and heart, dealing with the the hand skills that they needed, um, but also to deal with the real day to day heart issues as well. So, um, so that was really where our ministry centered around the church. And, and hands and heart. So, I bet when you were living in Georgia and teaching and going through the things, the complications that come with that from being away from your family, I bet you probably never would have imagined how God was going to use um, that time and that experience teaching in Georgia halfway across the world down the road. Um, I know for myself, I have my own reflections looking back and seeing how God used a season of my life that I didn't fully understand or know what the outcome was going to be for a greater purpose. So I'm Mm -hmm. really encouraged by that. And you have a unique perspective here that a lot of people on um, the iTech team, myself included, um, we don't have. And you can speak a lot into it as someone who has lived long term on the mission field and has seen the impact of short-term mission trips. Um, So tell us a little bit more about that, kind of unpack that, the difference that you saw firsthand in the field um, with the typical short-term mission trip, the going and doing, versus um, the model that we are moving forward with here at iTech where we are going and training. Um, What what is your perspective on that from living in the field long-term? Yeah, again, when we went, we didn't really have a clue what we were doing. We didn't know what long-term missions looked like and probably went with a perspective that was very, um, very wrong. And we learned an awful lot in the first couple of years. Um, but I think for me personally, the um, and, and I know I speak for my wife as well, um, so we've had many conversations through the years, but I think that... <clears throat> You know, the, the Western church is very well-intentioned, um, but even our greatest intentions can fall flat on their face if, um, if those great intentions are not, not guided very well. Um, and so, again, I'm very guilty of this. Um, uh, when we went, we had the greatest of intentions to reach South Africa for Christ. How we went about doing that uh, really changed dramatically. Um, in the six years that we were there, um, from early on doing an awful lot for the people. They're hungry. Mm-hmm. They're thirsty. Their roofs are leaking. Um, their children are not being educated. Um, you know, so they, they don't have shoes on their feet. So we were addressing a lot of the physical needs. Addressing those physical needs can be important and can be helpful. Sure. Um, but when you spend most of your time addressing the physical problems, you can exhaust yourself in the physical realm and never address the spiritual need. Uh, 
And while you're doing that, creating more and more and more dependency. Um, what we saw is that the more we address the physical realm, the longer the arms got and the bigger the hands got, the larger the needs got. And it comes to a point where financially, even for us as a family, becomes completely unsustainable. And then the organization and the individuals and the businesses and the churches that were supporting us financially, it becomes unsustainable for them as well. And so as things got more and more and more difficult financially, we really started to, you know, kind of juggle our thoughts and say, well, maybe we're maybe we're not doing this right. You know, and we would try to pull back um, and say, OK, we're not not going to concentrate on the physical needs as much. Let's really get into the spiritual depravity. And so um, that just became really, really, really difficult because we had established ourselves there as someone who was there to do. Um, and we were doing a lot. We were fixing an awful lot of roofs. I'm kind of a jack of all trades and a master at nothing. And, and um, so I was spending a lot of time on roofs and painting and, you know, doing lots of, of fixing. And we had teams that were coming over that were, were helping us do those things as well. Um, but I'll tell you, there was a moment that was an eye opener for me. We had a team that came over. Um, uh, that team had already built a relationship with a local person before we were there. That local person told the organization, this is what we need to do. We need to build a soup kitchen on this church. And so thousands and thousands of dollars were spent building this soup kitchen on this church. Now I was the missionary that was there. Um, I didn't, I didn't have any connection to this church. I didn't have really hardly any connection to that individual um, who was promoting the soup kitchen for this church. But they came over and they built this thing. They built this soup kitchen on this church. Now, as the missionary who's left behind, I want to make sure that, that there's an opportunity for the gospel to go forth. So I agreed to do a Bible study, a long-term Bible study uh, at this church. So I would drive over, it was 30 minutes away, which is, you know, is a pretty long drive in Africa um, because, you know, there's no street lights and things are dangerous at night. So anyways, I would drive over there once a week every, uh, on a, at night, would host this Bible study. Not one time was that soup kitchen ever used. Hmm. I, I, I went into the soup kitchen every week and noticed that the refrigerator had never been plugged in, that the stove that was installed had never been used, um, the sink had never been used. So I went to the pastor and I said, "I said, um, Dominique, what? Can you tell me what's going on with this soup kitchen?" And he said, "We never asked for the soup kitchen." And so typical to Western, Western missions, we, we go and we do things and we, we tell the people, this is what you need and we're going to come and we're going to spend forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 and we're, we're going to do it for you. Never having listened to the actual local to hear what, what is it that you need. And so at that point, that was, um, that was really within the first two years that we were there. I began at that point to ask the locals, what do you need? Mm 
And then I will preach toward those needs. I will teach toward those needs. If we have teams that come over, we're going to address those needs. But listening to the local, what do you need? And then trying to address those needs. So um, that was a big, big shift uh, in, in our ministry um, at about year two, which made the last four years incredibly productive. So, Yeah. And the five um, principles that Jamie, our executive director here, he shares about a lot, um, five principles for having a sustainable impact on a long-term mission trip. Um, the first one is learn to listen, um, mm. to ask our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ overseas, what do you need? And not, not approaching them with our perceived needs, what we see with our eye, because oftentimes we don't have all the information or the context. Um, uh, Chris, how did you get connected with iTech? I know the story about um, your church in Georgia and its connection here at iTech, but can you share that um, with those listening? Because I think that that connection there was definitely is definitely of the Lord, and, and it's a story worth telling. Yeah, so um, there are markers in our lives, and I think all of us have the COVID marker. <laughs> um, we were uh, in in South Africa at that time and uh, in year three of, of, our, of what God had called us to do and, um, and the shutdown happened. And South Africa was unique in that um, you could not leave your property for any reason other than the grocery store or the hospital. Okay. Um, you were not allowed to go for a walk in the neighborhood. Um, you were literally locked in your um, in your property um, about a, a week or two before that we had had a team funny enough that had come from Warren Baptist Church and um, they came over normal and left with face masks and it was about a week after they left that the shutdown happened well while they were there they left a book for me um, called the great omission um, when they left that book for me you know, I, I think that there's a, a big misconception about missionaries is that missionaries have lots of time on their hands. <laughs> and so when a book was left for me, I, I didn't take it personal, but I was like, man, the last thing I need right now is another book to read. Um, but uh, the lockdown happened, and so I did, in fact, have lots of time on my hands. Plenty and of so, time to read. So I was in my office and, and uh, kind of day one of lockdown and and uh, I just started reading this book and read it in a couple of days. And as I finished the book, I said, man, this is a really, really good book. Um, but I think I need to read it again. And then this time I need to have a, a column. I drew a line in the center of the paper. And the left side was things were doing well. And the right side was things that need some work. And so, the, you know, we were doing some things uh, well, um, but we had um, the list on the other side of things that needed work was a little bit lengthier. And so uh, when I finished reading the book for the second time, I called Mark Clyburn, who's been on a mission-minded podcast. Mm -hmm. um, he is the director of missions um, at Warren Baptist Church. He was the one who left me the book. So I called Mark. We had a, a standing call every Thursday of every week. 
And so that did not change. So on that Thursday, I said, what, do you, what are the odds of getting on a call with Steve Saint, the author of the book? And he said, well, you know, Steve has had an accident. Physically wouldn't be uh, possible, but I'm sure I could get Jamie Saint. So lo and behold, the next Thursday, Jamie was on a Zoom call with myself and Mark uh, from a half a world away and just began to really ask Jamie a lot of questions. Um, and so Jamie answered those questions very, um, very pointedly. He wasn't, you know, very diplomatic in some of them, uh, which is what's best for me anyways. I, I'm a very uh, straight shooter. And so he was very honest with me and um, was very honest with the things we were doing well. But he was also very honest with the things that, that, he had, that I had communicated with him that he said, you know, these probably need some work. And so the, the beauty of that whole COVID marker in our ministry and what God had called us to do there was that we needed to shut down. Um, had we continued on doing what we were doing, A, I was done. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, I was just exhausted. Um, I was doing all the preaching, all the Bible studies, evangelism, um, doing it in a language that's still foreign to me at that time, still is to this day. Um, so it was a, a mental, emotional, and spiritual grind. And I had exhausted myself, burning the candle at both ends. And so we needed to, to shut down and just get some rest. Um, but on top of that, we needed to learn. And part of that was learning to listen and to, to truly hear what, how do we move this ministry forward in a way that empowers the local rather than omits the local. And so we were ready. You know, after eight weeks of um, every Thursday being on with Mark and Jamie, uh, to we were ready, but it was still shut down. And so um, the Lord granted us an opportunity. We got a call from the U.S. Embassy saying the last repatriation flight from South Africa is flying out next Wednesday. Do you want to be on it? And we, you know, prayed about it and said that we felt like we were useless there because again we were locked in our uh in our in our property um no connection whatsoever other than than uh, phone calls and messages to the um, people we were ministering alongside of so why not come back to america restructure the strategy and really come up with a strategy of going back when the borders do reopen and so that's what we did in May of 2020. We flew back here. We really thought we'd be here for a few weeks and that life would go back to normal. Sure. Especially when we came back here and you guys hadn't really shut down. We were like, man, this is great. We Depends can... on where you lived, but yes. Yeah, so the state of Georgia, um, you know, we uh, it was really pretty open. And so, um, so, but that granted us the time that we needed to rest and heal, but also granted us the time to really restructure the strategy and um, gave me the opportunity to come down to iTech two times um, and to see exactly what you guys do, exactly how you do it. And even if the trainings themselves would not work in South Africa, being a more developed country and normally these trainings that we do um, work much better in the frontier areas. Um, we're far from a frontier area in South Africa. There are some frontier areas that wasn't where we were, but we were in a city. But all of that to say the strategies work. 
it doesn't have to be the trainings themselves, but the strategy works. Sure. And so we were able to implement that strategy of training. Um, so in the church, I'm not going to preach anymore, <laughs> or I'm going to preach once every fifth week. And the other four weeks, those other guys who have been discipled for more than three years, those guys are going to start preaching. Those guys, when we go out and evangelize, they're going to evangelize. I'm only there as a support role. Um, they were ready. I had just put on handcuffs. Sure. Um, and then the skills center was the same. They, they were brilliant. The South African people are absolute, they're, they're brilliant. Um, they're survivors. Um, and so all they needed was for me to kind of step back and say, go do it. And that was really um, what happened during that COVID time. But that was the connection to um, to iTech was just through a, a book. Yeah. Um, and then a Zoom call and then a face to face. And then that that relationship grew through the years um, to where Jamie and I became good buddies. We've we've got a lot of similar interests. We love the game of golf and love sports in general. Um, although for some reason he's he's a Florida fan. I'm not really sure how that even works, but um, yeah. And what you were talking about with um, letting go and letting these other believers who had been discipled um, preach and teach from God's word. It's easy for me to say, (laughs) multiplication. Um, And that's, you know, what God has called you to help with here at iTech as we are trying to grow in the equip world. Um, Chris is our director of equip and helping us um, see what it looks like to share this idea of training. on short-term mission trips with local churches, uh, Chris, how how is that going for you? How I know that's a, probably a loaded question, but how is mm. it being the director of Equip and um, what what does Equip what does it mean? Can you explain that? What what does it mean? Yeah, so the word multiply um, really sums it up, and so um, we have three layers here at iTech. The first one would be that we develop, um, so we we spend an awful lot of time with some very bright people that you and I have the privilege of working with every day. And those bright minds are developing tools and training systems to meet the felt needs that the indigenous Christ followers are communicating to us. So they communicate to us a need that they have. We develop a tool and a training system to meet that need. And then the next layer is to train them. So we take the tool and the training system that we've developed we take it to that context we train them how to use it and um, just because they have learned how to do it doesn't necessarily mean that they would be able to immediately train in that area Um, so that's where equipping comes in and equipping is that final layer where we take that person that we've trained and we train them again Um, to further their understanding of the curriculum that we're teaching. And then once they've been trained again, we stay for an extra um, bit of time and we watch them train. Um, And while we're watching them train, we don't interject. Um, We just watch them train. And then each night we will uh, critique, speak to, just I would have done this a little bit differently. Again, never interjecting during the actual teaching part, Mm -hmm. only at night where we kind of revisit the things that were talked about that day. 
um, once they have gone through that week of the formerly being the trainee, now being the trainer, they are now fully equipped in that work. Um, and so that is the power of multiplication internationally. We're also doing that work domestically as yes. well, where we are taking uh, churches who, um, who may have had a mission strategy or may have never had a mission strategy, um, but those that had a mission strategy that are kind of revisiting it, thinking maybe we have been going and doing uh, more than training, um, maybe, maybe this would be a great opportunity for us to revisit our mission strategy. Um, you know, we partner with them and try to help them think through what that could look like, um, utilizing either the, the trainings that, that we implement um, or in a case like I was, you know, uh, a missionary who those areas of trainings that we do don't necessarily fit into the South African context. Mm -hmm. But again, the visions and the strategies do. And so, um, so visiting those strategies with that, um, that local church um, to a point where we may have a doctor uh, at a local church who they already know how to do medical procedure, medical um, practice, um, but might not know how to teach it in a foreign context. And so we would teach them our strategy um, teach them our curriculum uh, so that they could go and teach an indigenous Christ follower overseas um, the things that we're teaching. And so um, so equipping them to go. Um, and so that power of multiplication is both domestic and abroad. Um, yeah. So it does play into to really everything that I've been about really since I've come to faith. Um, even in the, the coaching realm and just kind of being prepared for, um, uh, for this role here. You know, looking back, it is just crazy to see all of the, um, the preparation that God had really kind of cultivated me uh, for this uh, particular role. But even as a coach, I always wanted my assistant coaches to be trained in a way that they could be a head coach. Mm -hmm. I wanted my players uh, to be trained in a way that when I walk away from teaching them how to field a ground ball, that the guy, the kid who's behind them could learn how to field a ground ball because they could teach it to them. Um, so I always wanted to teach in a way that was multiplying the process. Um, and so now here we are so many years later and the Lord just continues to cultivate me and it's really just awesome to be a part of it. Yes, and we're beyond thankful to have you and your family here and the perspective that you bring and the um, just the overarching sense of joy and passion for what happens here. It's, it's been really, really good. And we actually just came off of two weeks of some new territory for us here at iTech that you, uh, you helped set up. We were... Um, you know, still exploring the equipped world, especially domestically. And we've recently had um, two churches, along with other members of churches in the area, um, come to receive training here on mm -hmm. campus um, with the hopes of having their own trip with their own church and taking that and mm -hmm. being a part of that multiplication process. Um, what are your thoughts about that the past two weeks? I know you weren't here for one of them, but um, just how do you feel about that? 
Yeah, so that's the beauty of a team, right? Yeah. Um, I was uh, out of the country last week for the second equipping, but you know the team that we have here doesn't need me here every day. Um, and likewise, with everybody on this team, we function so well as a um, as a collaborative group that you know not one person is any more important than the other. Um, we all work very well together. It makes it very fun to come. I get to laugh with you guys, yeah. be my office neighbors. And, yes. um, so we have a lot of fun, but uh, on top of the fun, we also get a, a lot done because there's, there's just this, this, um, this team atmosphere. And so we did have two churches that came down, uh, two farm trainings in consecutive weeks with two different churches. Um, and then also a medical equipping last week um, during the second week um, and just awesome you know where we we are um, we're taking the these churches I think the the critical element here is that when a church asks for a partnership they most many many churches I won't say most but many churches already have relationships all over the world um, and so uh, we'll use Warren Baptist Church for an example. Warren Baptist Church is a very large church, uh, very large Southern Baptist church that's got um, connections to, to missionaries all over the world. Well, for them to be equipped in the things that we're doing means that those trainings go directly to those missionaries all over the world. And so um, the power of multiplication there. Uh, looks uh, much larger than um, you know than I think any of us could kind of hope or imagine, and so when a church of that magnitude is equipped, the gospel is going to go forth at a much quicker uh, rate than if we were to just hire more people here at iTech, continuing to just go to the places and we're we're all over the world, um, no question about that. And our, but our trainers are at a point where our trainers are very stretched. Um, so all of that to say it's been really cool to be a part of it, um, really cool to try to multiply that process. I love people. Um, I function very well when I'm around people. When I'm alone, I'm pretty miserable. <laughs> and so just being able to work with people constantly um, inside of our building and outside of our building is has been a lot of fun for me. Um, and then just the, it was very easy for me to leave the country last week and to leave uh, that equipping with our, our farm team and our medical team because um, really if I was here, I'd only be in the way. I wouldn't be helping. So, um, But they're in extremely good hands, and, and I knew that leaving. Well, Chris, we are so thankful that you're here and that Rebecca's here. I, of course, have to, to mention that. Um, thank well, you. I've been told that I was the reason that she got hired. Oh. But she is the reason that I'm still here. Oh, well, there you go. So there you go. <laughs> so I think we're working this thing together. Yeah, so. Chris's wife Rebecca is our human resources person, and she also um, helps our executive director Jamie um, manage his time. So we are so thankful that both of you are here. I'm thankful that you made the long journey from your office right next door to come join us on the podcast today. It was a long walk. Yeah, you looked a little uh, sweaty when you. <laughs> walked in um and you mentioned the great omission um we will link that in our show notes so that anyone listening if they haven't read that they'd like access to that they can go and find that and we'll also um link in our show notes some 
um, details about our domestic equipping opportunities here. If anyone's listening who might be interested in knowing what it might look like to take training on their next trip, um, we'll make sure that they have access to that. Thank you for joining us today and thank you for watching and we will see you next time on the Mission Minded Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Mission Minded. For more information on today's topic and show notes, please visit our website, itechusa.org. Mission Minded Podcast is produced by iTech. The goal of this podcast is to inspire conversations about Great Commission participation. The views, organizations, and individuals represented, interviewed, and discussed on the podcast do not necessarily represent an official position or formal partnerships with ITEC.